Welcome to Blake's Your Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are along for the ride. James, say hi. Hi. Kirk, say what's up. What's up? And it looks like James is still at his office. How are those books going? Yeah, I'm at the library. <laughs> what do you what Just are you studying? Doing? Uh, I'm reading up on my uh, baseball history. Tell us more about that, sir. Uh, um, turns out you suck, and that's it. That's all it says. <laughs> Talk about you specifically. Yeah. So like Aaron garbage? McBride, Aaron McBride, and it just compares you to every single baseball player that's ever lived. <laughs> and it's I'm, really bad. It looks really bad for you. You're like oh, for two million right now. I mean that's fair, but I that makes sense. It's going to oh, suck yeah. when I get my first hit off of you, and then you're in the record books with me. The As guy that the sucks the most gets ever. a hit off the other guy, and that means you suck more. Yeah, that's not good. Can't have that. Next time we see each other, we should just show up with wiffle ball stuff and just have a wiffle ball competition. Dude, I'm going to throw so many knuckleballs. It's not going to be funny. With a wiffle ball? That would be the dumbest thing you could ever do with a wiffle ball. Oh, I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll whiffle. I'll whiffle that ball more than it's ever whiffed. <laughs> you don't even know what. Wait, revert that. You you would know all about what a whiff is. Yeah, because I'm the whiffle ball king. You whiff a lot. That's right. No, I make other people whiff with my whiffle ball pitching. You know who didn't whiff? Who? Trey Mancini in the home run derby, which we're watching live right now. How many did he hit? 24, if I'm reading that right. What's Olsen at? He is at 11 with a minute left. Nice. He's on pace for 20. I don't Matt think that's going to get it done. Matt Olsen is a, such a good player. Like I, I wish like there's any way we could ever get him. He's, He's the still- – He's the prototypical He's a, Oakland A. We'll yeah, get him when, when he retires. Yeah, when he's like 36. We'll sign him to a AAA contract. And cross our fingers, he'll, he'll coach for us. <laughs> him and Matt Stairs will be our one-two punch. Did you guys see um, Will Wilson Rosario? There's no way that I said his first name right. It's still playing? It's Will Willie. Willie. He's been Willie. playing over – uh, in Mexico, I think. That's what I saw too. Dude's still right. Yeah. Where is he? Yeah, Where did you see him? He's on the Twitter. Oh. Yeah, I was. I actually followed him on Twitter, and it's kind of interesting, like watching him play. Still, and it's like pretty highly competitive baseball too, you know. But he, uh, I loved him when he played for us for that short period of time. He was like. I think he hit 20 home runs in a year for us. But... Yeah, didn't he set the rookie record uh, for a catcher? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then he couldn't do anything like the next year. Yeah, well, he wasn't wasn't great at defense either. No, they tried <laughs> to put first base, and like that didn't even work out. And then he stopped hitting. Yep, stop hitting, then they just don't like you anymore. <laughs> Got to be able to hit to stick around Coors. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. <laughs> it really is. Matt Olson's at 17 homers. He got up to a minute left. It's going to be close ones. 17 to 24. 
Stay tuned. Always oh, in the bonus round too. Did you guys see the over under on the longest home run tonight is five fifteen? Do you think somebody's going to hit a ball over five hundred fifteen feet to this tonight? That would basically no. be like hitting it like into the restaurants in. Dude, Otani was hitting it into the party deck. Could you imagine just having some beers and then Otani's <laughs> about to smoke you in the head with a ball? Like, you- oh! <laughs> would you guys see that? No. Dude, man, tried to go for the home run ball and flipped over the railing. Oh, yeah, I just saw it now. That's not good. <laughs> he's in Is he all right? Shirt. I hope he's all right. Well, he, he flipped into, like, the walkway. He didn't, like, flip over. Yeah, he walked into the <laughs> hallway corridor. But hilarious. Yeah, Otani. O- Otani's the only one. I can see Gallo going yard, too. Yeah, dude, Otani could hit it 600. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's going to be so much fun. He's going to hit one in the rock pile, dude. Could you imagine? <laughs> or the rooftop up there? <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm on the Matt Olson train, too. All right. Rocky's talk while we have a little break in this. Elias Diaz rakes. Well, he yeah. didn't before he did, but yeah. He is right Elias now. rakes. Last 16 yeah. games over the last month. Guess how guess his batting average. Let's just play a little game. Guess his over batting average month? in the last month. 375. 315, 375. Let's average that out. And we get it 339. He's is his OB, OPS above 1.1? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would say, yeah. 1.118. And guess how many home runs he has in the last month? Uh, Five. Six is correct. (laughs) James did his research. We got lucky. Got lucky. But this is a pleasant (laughs) surprise, right? Wasn't, weren't we supposed to have more Dom Dongs and Elias defense? Yes. And now. Yeah. Dom looked good to start the year, but he hasn't looked that great. And then Elias Diaz is coming in. It is a pleasant surprise. And I saw he when he was playing for Pittsburgh, he hit 10 one season too. So, like, I think he, he has the ability to hit. It's just I think the consistent playing times really helped him. Yeah, I think so too. He's at seven home runs. So, I mean, he's bound to get his career high, right? I like, hope so. If you're going to get a career high, Coors Field is. Hey, Story. <laughs> How is James a Rockies fan as he mutes himself? Man, let the dog squeak. It's all good. But Here it's. It comes. The Elias Diaz defense and offensive train is a pleasant surprise in this. Do you see the Rockies won four road games this last road series? Yeah, we've been playing coming in hot. We just need to win 20 games in a row like we did that one year. And then we'll be right where we want to be. And everything's okay, right? Uh, I want to give it another shout out to like the, the bullpen has been pretty solid and Chassin 
is good, and I love watching him. Um, but, like, we've all just kind of been playing well. It doesn't matter if we're home or not, but it's just good baseball. I want to fix myself three road wins uh, in the past roads, road break. It's been good. Yasin and Carlos, wild thing to an extent, has been decent. And they're just really relying on those two and Bard. It's been good. And I got I got smiley when I saw that Tatis had zero hits in the three games against us this last series. Yeah, that was awesome. And it was awesome not having to worry about the bullpen. Like Bard had two, one, two, three games for like the first time in months. Yeah, it's man. Now that he's back to form, Trevor Story is up. You see his belt? Look at his belt. Did you guys see the zoom in? What's no. the guy's belt? Oh, I'm sure they'll show you. Look at Trevor Story's belt. It's sweet. They should make those part of the uniform every single day. Oh, those are sick. <laughs> Cowboy got it. Aren't they? Yeah. His... Oh, man. Is this the last hurrah for Trevor Story? Absolutely. Oh, that's gone. Like, is this it? Like, are we watching... The final we moment. should we should re-sign Herman and Trevor Story. I I'm all for it. Like extend Herman for like to a sweet deal. He's already lock, those, lock those two guys down. Ooh, he's then, raking right now. Forever build around him. He's averaging 470 feet home runs right now with his six. Oh yeah, did you see that? Nolan Arenado is his water boy tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. Are we still mad at Nolan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I'm, I'm not mad. Either. I'm, I'm mad. mad. I'm, just, I'm just not mad I'm, at him. I'm bitter that he's gone. That's I'm not mad at him, though. Oh, he should have caught that, so it was a home run. I think, yeah, right? That's pretty much it. And then the, the um, Trevor Story break. He's at seven. With a minute and twenty-four seconds on the on the clock, the standing ovation against the Cardinals because we haven't talked since then either. That was pretty sweet. I got I got goosebumps as he pumps. Yeah, up the it was it was the classy thing to do. Yeah, I'm glad that that's the reaction that happened, and I mean, you could tell that it was pretty emotional for Nolan too. Yeah. It definitely hit, and which he didn't hit, which was kind of nice, right? But I think that was that was the exact response that Rockies fans should have had to Nolan in that moment. I'm glad there wasn't overpowering booze and stuff. I think they they all know it's not his fault. Always give give the well the, the last two Rockies that have been in this that we've had really bad matchups because Blackman went up against Bellinger when he was playing insane. Yeah, that's not fair. And then who was the other Rocky? Well, this one. This is only the only two. 
Uh, since they did this tournament I format, oh, I think. Since the new format, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had other people in it, but they've never done very good. Vinny Castilla, I think, was our best one. I think Cargo was in it one year. Todd Helton was in it and only hit two, I think. Yeah, Todd Helton's a winner. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, Mike Piazza was in the home run derby one time, hit zero, never did it again. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Mike, that was Mike Piazza, really? Yeah. <laughs> that would be like, I don't know. You, you go over there, you don't hit a single one. <laughs> right. It's just typical. Like, that's just so Mike Piazza, too. <laughs> like, I just see Mike Piazza being that guy. That would be like my worst nightmare signing up for it. Would just that would be it, dude. I wouldn't. So I wouldn't. How, how many did Story get? Sixteen. End of the round, sixteen. Not a good number. He's got no. a minute bonus though. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. Vermont looking good. Speaking of Vermont, he has been lights out this month. Do you think he gets traded? No. His contract's too friendly. I don't think the Rockies will trade him because they still, the front office still believes the Rockies are competing. <laughs> like, uh, I got a bridge, we have so I got many a holes and so many issues, but. Wait, I thought, I thought Herman, this is the last year of his contract. No, he's got a couple of years team control still. So. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like on a super friendly, only 26 year old player contract. It's, Team friendly contract. Well, we definitely need to uh, extend that because, like, he's only twenty six. You know, like, make him a lifetime. Yeah, yeah make him uh, Jorge De La Rosa. I mean, he's doing it right. Like his home splits. He is six and one this year at tw- in twelve games. He has two complete games at Coors, and is only allowed twenty four earned runs. He's been insane lately. Like, even before that, no, no, near no hitter, he's just been lights out. Oh my God, he was so close. I haven't been that that excited for a Rockies game in so long. Yeah, that was, it was intense watching that. And then those, those plays by story were just insane. I, right? Like, there were, there were two by him that were just insane. Trevor Story ended up with 20 homers in the first round. But, I mean, Marquez, the last five games, his fast last five games, he's only allowed three runs, two, two home runs in that span, and people, batters are hitting 103 against him. They have a slugging percentage of 164. That's lights out. That's incredible. In fantasy baseball, um, somebody tried to trade me him when his ERA was above five, and I said, nah, you could probably just drop him at this point, and then he went on and did something else. Now I can't get him, so that's awesome. I would have never said you could drop him. Like, he's he's too consistent over the years to think that he's just done, you know? Uh, but people have bad years, right? Like, look at Bellinger right now. He's hitting 150. Yeah, because he's high as he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? 
<laughs> I mean, he looked like it. I'm sure he's not. But... <laughs> I heard it here first, here, dude. Starting conspiracy like... theory. <laughs> I love me little Cody. He's ever since, ever fine. since Bellinger came up, like I've just been sick of that guy. Yeah, I he hate has... him. I hate every. You do hate him? Though. I like him. <laughs> he, he hasn't even been around that long, and I'm just like, just get out of here, dude. If if he played for any other team, would you be down on the Bellinger? If he played for my team. Probably, like I don't. He's just good, but like I don't know. I I I went down and watched him play a couple of times when he first came up down in LA, and he hit like six home runs against us that series. And I'm just like, dude, they were the Dodgers were already good before Bellinger. <laughs> he's the the good get better hatred type things. Like if he was on the D bags, we probably wouldn't be that mad. I mean, yeah, I just hate most of the Dodgers. So there's just something about the Dodgers that I, (laughs) Jock Peterson, Turner, I don't like any of them. If you spend $100 million in free agency, they should just take away your draft picks. So then you can't just like restock like that. And they restock and they develop and, yeah, they have they, the money and they have everything. Yeah, else and then they go them. sign all the good free agents and so on and so forth. Rinse, repeat. Yep, their farms great. There's just like there. I was watching something and they're like, if you could take over any team in the MLB, what would it be? And it would be the Dodgers because they're just like sustainable forever. Like they could just be one of the best teams every year. They're like the Yankees of the NL when the Yankees were good. Uh, that's why I'm rooting for the Padres to win our division, hopefully. What's our division standings currently? Giants are winning. Diamond uh, Dodgers and the Padres are, like, fighting for wild card position right now. Giants are that far ahead? Yeah. You know, West rankings. It's crazy. Yeah, Giants have 57 wins. Dodgers have 56. The Padres have 53. And the Padres are the second wild card team. Yeah, it's crazy the Giants are that good. What's what's crazier? The giant the fact that the Giants are winning the NL West at the halfway mark, or that the Rockies have won single digit games on the road? Giants is more surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's so weird. Rockies have 31 wins at home, nine on the road. It's incredible. I mean, I the hangover is real, right? I, it's I, it's more than the hangover at this point. Is, yeah. is this <laughs> is this the the end of Charlie Blackman? Yeah, I think so. I'm about to drop him off my fantasy. You, you get, oh, that must be the other league. Yeah, I don't know what to do with him. I can't trade him, and I can't drop him. All of his outside I metrics. I can't start him either. All of his outside metrics were saying he was going to figure it out. Then he was really good there for like a month, and then his last his last week hasn't been horrible. Hasn't been great, but it hasn't been as bad as he's been most of the year. So it, I'm hoping he turns it around. Me, it reminds me of Helton in his last few years where like there's just he's a good singles hitter. He might hit 270, Ooh, but he's not gonna hit for power at all. 
but he's also a defensive liability too, but he does have a cannon. His arm seems super strength this year. I don't, I don't know if I just haven't been watching close enough lately, like last past years, but he's had a lot of close throwouts from the outfield. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I almost feel like you he needs to be on a uh DH team. Yeah, he's definitely that's his calling. If his contract wasn't so steep, he he would be on the market. He um yeah, the last month he's hitting 211, 217. The last week he's hitting 333. I, I never really felt great. I never really felt great about them giving him that kind of an extension. Like I obviously love Charlie and I wanted him to stay, but like, I wish we just extended story at that time and have Nolan and story locked down, you know? And yep. then there's, then there's like less concern about the future at that point. But you extend Charlie like that, and he's, like, at the back end of his career. Like, yeah, you we got a couple of good years after that extension. But is he? he's definitely not worth that kind of money now. It was very Pujols contract-like. Right, like you're, you're rewarding him for how he already played, not how he's going to. Yeah, or Miggy. The Tigers in that Miggy contract. That's rough over there. Joey Gallo has 10 home runs as he takes right before he takes his uh, home run, 11 home runs before his bonus round. Is he I think he only got 20? 30 seconds too. Is he going to get to 20? I don't think so. He's only got 30 seconds. Does how many, how many seconds does he have? He's only got 30 seconds, bro. Oh, they're all willing, or in those sweet belts. Are those part of the all-star uniforms? What's yeah, standard yeah. issue. <laughs> All right, Joe. No, he's got a minute. You're an idiot. Oops. <laughs> there goes one. Oh. You're ahead of me. I don't like it. It's pretty uh, – I'm glad that they got Otani and Gallo. Like, they're just like the two – I guess if you got, like, Aaron Judge – He'd be another one, but they're like the big, like, just fucking nuke shots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 17, 20 seconds left. Yes, I am going to ruin this for you. Great. Oh, it's going to come down to the wire. I'll, I'll oh, stick no. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. This no. is no, no, I can't yes. handle this kind of stuff. No, yes, no, yes, 19. What is there? 19. Story moves on. Uh. Let's go. <laughs> he really tried to kill that last one, too. Yeah, he did. All right, let's end this as so we can go watch the second round with some beers on our own. James, give us a history lesson. 
You want a history lesson? I, I heard you did some research. You and Mike worked together a little bit and did some research on this. Um, can you give me two seconds? One, two. Okay. And your time is probably four seconds. Salvador Perez in the home run derby is probably the oddest thing. Like, I don't get yeah, it. Whatever, you know. <laughs> so, so many other people turned it down. Throw, throw the Royals bone, you know, whatever. Right. Okay, are you ready for your history lesson? Yeah, let's, let's, let's history it up. Okay, because, because we, we quick call this. Um, this, this comes from um, a guy on Reddit. Uh-oh. It's user1859. That's his name. So it is what it is. Okay. So on June 7th, 1884, ace pitcher Charlie Sweeney set a major league record that would stand for 102 years. Okay. He struck out 19 batters in a single game. That's pretty impressive, right? So after the game, uh, he has some arm trouble and he's on the bench. Um, and that puts a a bulk of the Providence Grays innings on the back of a guy named Old Haas Radborn. Uh, that was the Grays' only other pitcher that's really on record. Radborn complained, and eventually Sweeney was forced to take the mound again. What followed, though, is, is probably one of the funniest stories in baseball history. After the game, uh, this is in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, Sweeney gets really drunk. Uh, he elects to stay in wound socket with a lady friend. He wakes up the next morning and he's still tossed. Okay. So, and he realizes that he's supposed to start in Providence. He rushes out the door. Um, and so with an already tight pitching staff, the Grays had no choice, but to put the visibly hammered Sweeney on the mound. So he gets on the mound and he's just hammered. Um, so they, they pulled him after five, five innings and he actually pitches. Okay. But Sweeney's still drunk, and he's pissed. He's having none of it. So he, he's not coming off the mound. So um, this is where pitching anything less than a complete game was really kind of like um, uh, it, it brought your manliness into question if you didn't, if you didn't do the whole game. So he's mad, um, yells at his, his manager. He, they let him pitch two more innings. Um, and then he's not doing that good. He gets pulled in the eighth. Uh, and they have to threaten him with a fine to get him off the off the mound. Uh, Sweeney told him to stiff their fine up their asshole. And he walked off the field, watched the rest of the game with women in each arm. So he's got two women, uh, presumed to be prostitutes, probably. Um, so that's not, um, that's not only got him kicked off the team, but he's thrown out of the entire National League for refusing to come out of the game, getting fined walking away with some ladies. And so the final twist of the story is that the Grays, with only one other pitcher, um, they're extremely understaffed. So this guy, old, old Haas Radborn, offered to pitch the remaining games of the season if he got a small pay bump. Um, and so he started 40 of the remaining 43 games that season, and he won 36 of them. Uh, his arm became sore enough that he couldn't raise it over his shoulders. Um, and he had to warm up for hours before game time just to get the ball to the plate. Uh, just to add to this, uh, Radborn st started and won every game of the 1884 World Series, and he pitched 678 innings. 
59 wins for the season. Um, obviously, an impossible record is never going to be touched. And it's all because a guy named Charlie Sweeney got laid on July 21st, 1884. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. That's wild. Uh, How's that happen? It really, really hooks you in because he, he struck out 19 batters, which, you know, you think the record now is 20 with Kerry Wood and the big union and all that stuff. So he sets a 100-year record on his own and then gets pissed drunk, gets kicked out of the National League, and then his teammate wins 60 games. So there you go. That's awesome. That's something we'll never see again. Especially when you have pitchers, ex-Rockies pitchers, getting caught up in solicitation, solicitation outside. Hey, suppose it. It's never been proven. <laughs> and, and that's history with James. It's going to be a new segment we're going to try to do in every few weeks and stuff. So hope you enjoyed well, that story. I know I did. I just want you to know, well, unfortunately, it's not my story. It's um, that guy on Reddit. But anyway. Um, it's not too long ago. It was the Boston Red Sox just getting hammered in the bullpen. So I mean, still, still going on, right? It's still a thing. I mean, for the most part. I mean, when Josh Beckett was there, it's gonna end it with that. Thank you, user five two eight seven six three, um, for letting James read your story, and hopefully, we see more of that in the near future. We are gonna turn it over to our interview with Taylor Snyder of the Hartford Yard Goats, shortstop, utility man, um, son of a major league ball player who's leading the AA Northeast in home runs with 16 right now and has an OPS of 900. So just dominating fools right now. And me and Tyler have sat down with him and discussed some of the adjustments he's made in his, his career so far. Really interesting. He drives a Subaru. Um, you would need to listen and find out if he has a strike zone in it. If you know, you know. Um, enjoy, sit back, subscribe. You know the drill. Find us on YouTube. You get it. And we got some blogs going too. Check out the link tree. Go rocks! Woo! Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means, and the other two are along for the ride. I am here with Tyler. Tyler, say what's up. How's it going, guys? And we are here with the Yard Hartford Yard Goats shortstop slash utility player slash raker, Ty Taylor Snyder. He's uh, here with us. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, excited to just talk ball with you. Um, let's get right into it. So you were minor league player of the week a few, few, few weeks ago. What was it like hitting like six bombs, 20 RBIs, a few walk-off hits? What was that week like for you? And like, what was it, what was the zone for you when you're hitting? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, I've been working on some, some new things this year, like approach wise. And I knew there was going to be a little lag um, having not played last year and, <laughs> and being at a new level and things like that. But <clears throat> For, for it to all kind of start clicking and coming together for one week. Uh, it was fantastic. I just, I felt like when you get into that zone like that, it just feels like everything is kind of just going your way. You know, you're getting mm -hmm. the pitches that you want. Um, 
it seems like every at bat a pitcher is throwing you a pitch that that you're looking for and you're just not missing it. It's, it's one of the sweetest feelings ever, man, because you feel unstoppable for like a, a little second because baseball is so freaking hard and can humble you so quick. But like when you get into that little zone for a minute where you try not to acknowledge it while it's happening, you try not to acknowledge that like, dang, this is sick <laughs> because you don't want to, you don't want to like jinx it or anything, but you know, when it, when it's, when you finish and you get done with that week and, and you can look back and be like, wow, that was, that was special. <laughs> I was definitely in like a little flow state right there. Well, beyond that week, I mean, this has just been a, a really solid year for you. I think career best numbers in a lot of areas, but like, like you said, coming off of the lag with, with no ball last year, like what was the last year like for you and what were you doing to really make sure you were ready to, to come in and play, play ball this year at double a, uh, I was doing everything I could, honestly. Um, back home in Utah, it wasn't crazy shut down. Um, I was able to get onto a field pretty much whenever I wanted. Uh, I had a facility that I could lift in. Um, I have a few buddies back home who are pitching or catching or uh, in either the, in professional baseball or college. And, you know, we tried to line up at bats, live at bats off of each other as much as possible. That's cool. Um, I'm really good friends with uh, Joe Barlow, who actually just made his debut, um, and he lives with um, <clears throat> Luis Gonzalez in Scottsdale, so I was able to make a couple trips out there, and Luis has a sweet setup at his house uh, that we were able to get some legit training in. Um, I mean, you just got to do whatever you can in that situation. It sucked. Um, obviously, not what any, any of us wanted, but, I mean, you made the best of it. I camped like crazy. I boated like crazy, which I've never been able to really do. Um, <laughs> spent a lot of time with my friends and family, which was fantastic. Um, and it kind of just made that, that itch to play a little bit stronger, which, you know, is some silver lining, I guess. Yeah. It kind of found your love for the game almost again. Yeah. Cause I mean, you go home for the off season typically and, you know, it's, you take a month off. Usually most guys like myself take like a month off of everything and you kind of just let your body recoup and, right. and your mind recover. And, and then you kind of start getting back into it, but to have that whole, I don't know what it ended up being 15 months or whatever the heck it was. It feels like five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was either for, for everybody. I think you can, it, I can speak for everybody. It was either you were really going to find out how much you love it or you were really going to figure out how, how ready you are to be done, which, right. you know, there were a lot of guys that did decide that. So. Yeah, no, it's cool that you figured it out and like stuck with it is. So you have this little hiccup, like a uh, timing mechanism with your hitting. Have you always had that? Or is that something you worked on in your free time? Uh, no, it's, it's something that I started to figure out. Uh, I actually kind of, I actually kind of started to understand it a little bit when I was in Lancaster in 2019 in high A. Mm -hmm. um, I went home for the all-star break and, and really broke it down with my dad. I wasn't hitting very well that first half kind of struggling. And we kind of started to understand this little hitch in, in my timing mechanism with like my leg kick and my pitch recognition and 
I came back from that all-star break and played really well the second half there. And I kind of started to think like, okay, yeah, that, that piece that I kind of figured out is real, you know, because baseball is so hard that mm-hmm. like you might figure something out and, and it works for a week or it works for two weeks. And then it kind of seems like it, it doesn't work anymore. It's the craziest thing, but it kind of, it kind of worked for me for, you know, the remainder of the season for the most part. And I was like, you know what, that, that feels really good. So, um, it sucked coming back into spring training that next year. And I felt like I was doing that same thing, trying to get back in that same groove. And it was kind of there, you know, it was kind of like, okay, sweet. This is an actual thing. Um, this little mechanism that I found is, is an actual thing that works. And then obviously we get banged and now I'm like, Oh, great. I got to wait mm-hmm. a whole nother year to really test this out. So it's interesting. It's, it's just, it's a little, it's a little uh, hiccup with my leg kick and my timing of my leg kick and having like a little window for my pitch recognition. And, and that's really all it is. Do you think that that those like second half adjustments in 2019, that's been the big reason for, <clears throat> for the year you're having right now um, that you really have to uh, translate that over? Yeah, I, I honestly do. It's, it's like, uh, so I, I stood, I got a lot taller in my stance. I almost stand straight up. Um, my hands are, are pretty high um, and compared to a lot of other players. And, and then I have that leg kick. And for me, like the, the high stance and everything was simply just that's comfortable for me. I feel super athletic up there. Um, I, I feel like I can make my best move on the ball from up there. Um, but yeah, it kind of opened up. I, I started to understand crazy enough that I made it as far as I did with it almost felt like before I did this I was like I needed to start my swing to be on time with 95 Mm -hmm. and then I had to recognize where the ball was and try to meet the plane like all in that little window and it was freaking it was impossible now that I look back at it I'm like oh my gosh how did I get to where I was hitting (laughs) like that it's, it was the craziest, it was the craziest like light bulb moment. And so then I kind of started to, to be able to switch to like, okay, I need to get my body in position to fire. Then I recognize, and then I fire. It was, it, it was seriously like the light bulb moment of my career so far, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've kind of just really tried to just like hold on to that. And uh, I would for sure say that that little click that I found that all-star break in 19 um, has a lot to do with what I'm, what I've been able to do this year so far. Yeah. I would say it's paying off 900 OPS, 14 homers. Like it's, you're doing, doing really well with that. That's kind of cool. Just it's, it's always fun for me to hear those stories. Like how, what's the little thing that you adjusted to be successful, like almost in every part of life, especially ball players. Like it's literally just that little hiccup and it changed your entire mentality and ability to hit the ball. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's sweet. Um, so you mentioned your dad who is a former ball player, Corey Snyder. Um, word on the street is he has a cannon. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a rocket arm. Um, there's, I, I have been able to meet, you know, a lot of teammates and, and coaches and things like that, that uh, were able to experience him playing. And I hear stories of 
you know, at, at in college, he, he played shortstop and by the second inning, all the scouts behind that were gunning the pitcher would have moved over to first base to gun <laughs> my dad's throws across the, across the diamond. Um, just stuff like that, you know, that tells me that the dude had a hose and, uh, he obviously moved to right field and he don't quote me on this, but I think he led the league in uh, throw out assists um, for a couple of years there in the big league. So yeah, he had it. And even, even he's starting to slow down a little bit now, but, and don't tell him I said that, but uh, <laughs> he even, you know, back a couple of years, if I needed some, some BP, like some gas, he could ramp it up and he could probably still throw me at 55. He could probably still throw me like 86, 87 <laughs> and kind of just rip it in there. <laughs> That's awesome. Would, uh, would you say like growing up around the majors and stuff helped you kind of transition and get ready for this minor league journey of yours? Um, uh, yeah, for sure. So he, he actually like, finished playing around the time that I was born Mm. um so I wasn't able to like be around his career a whole lot per se but he got back into minor league coaching um I can't remember the year but when I was in like junior high high school he coached for about six years in the minor leagues which you know is a pivotal learning moment for a baseball player um, at that age and so I was able to spend a lot of time during my summers with him, um, at whatever affiliate affiliate he was at. And yeah, I, I, it gave me a super unique perspective on, you know, the dream that I had had that I had that, you know, I was pursuing and was going to pursue in the future, um, kind of gave me like a little insight on what it's like and, and what you got to do and what you got to be prepared for and, and things like that. So I was really lucky. When, would you say that your, your dad, um, was, your primary motivator just throughout your journey and currently uh, is, or who is your primary motivator? Uh, I mean, my dad's definitely one of them for sure. Um, My mom, my mom has always kind of been like my rock in the whole thing in the sense of baseball comes with a lot of struggles. You know, you fail a lot. And my mom for my, my whole life really has been the person that I've been able to to go to in in those times. And she gives me, you know, confidence and support and things like that as to where my dad is. (laughs) My, my dad's funny. He just like, when I'm struggling, he's just like, dude, just don't struggle. Like it's not that it's, it's not that hard. I did it. I just didn't struggle. (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) sure. Thanks pops. (laughs) So he definitely hit a lot of that tough love he's a tough lover (laughs) he did for sure he did which which I needed you know he was he he was able to build a lot of confidence in me but it was it was always like that you know tough he'd been there he's done it and he wants me to do it and he thinks I'm good enough to do it so he just he definitely has that that edge to push me a little more than like my mom is my my support system you know (laughs) are there certain nights you go talk to um, one of them before the other <laughs> like you just uh, yeah. tonight's a mom conversation night dad's tomorrow type for thing. sure <laughs> for sure for that's sure awesome. that's uh yeah you've had quite a journey so far like you started at juco to ncaa baseball a little stint all in australia 
um, again, going all over kind of, again, building up for this minor league thing. I want to go back to high school, like when you were drafted by the Mariners, what was that like? How did you decide not to go into the system with them? And then Juco, like what was the, kind of that decision-making for you and how did you get to those, those finals choices? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was drafted by the Mariners out of my senior year of high school, um, which was exciting as heck you know like every kid that's every kid's dream yeah I was I was jacked um my brother actually was at the juco that I ended up playing at and he also got drafted that same year by the same team um a couple rounds later um so for us both to get called that year by the same team was beyond exciting it was like my whole family was so jacked up um but we both, uh, my brother at that time had accepted a pretty sweet scholarship to go play at BYU. And I, it was, it was pretty late in the, in the draft. We were selected in the, in like the thirties mm-hmm. and that's not, not really the best for everybody. Um, obviously some situations are different, but it wasn't the best situation for me to accept that late of a draft that early. Um, <clears throat> so at that point, my plan was, and you know, what me and my dad had discussed was, well, let's just go to a JUCO and, you know, have a good year and hopefully get called sooner in the draft, which, yeah, seemed like a good idea. And, but I ended up going to my JUCO and I kind of went through some struggles there and uh, was not able to put up the numbers at my JUCO to, to get signed out of there. So then, I ended up going to a D2 that I personally had never heard of um, before going there. Never and heard of Pueblo? It was, yeah, I had never heard of Pueblo. Hmm. And I kind of just, at that point in my career, that's where it led me. Um, and that, that place, I love Pueblo to death now. That place will always have a, a piece in my heart because it kind of resurrected my career a little bit. Um, and was able to play well there and and get my name called where I wanted it and get into pro ball because ultimately the the goal for for me and my brother at least growing up with my dad was college ball was never talked about like we didn't ever oh what's what's your dream university you know where where would you do you want to play at BYU do you want to play at Utah do you want to go out of like that was never really in the conversation it was always just like the ultimate goal of getting to pro ball as fast as possible that's wild um yeah which is which is very different as I'm getting older I'm understanding that that's very different than yeah you know what everyone else typically does uh like playing at a big d1 university was obviously you know as a kid it, it sounded cool but it was never like a huge dream of mine. So it resulted in a pretty unique path. Did playing in Pueblo, like, did that help to connect you with the Rockies? Obviously you, you hit well there. Um, but do you think that that Colorado connection really drew their eyes to you? Uh, I would like to think so. Yeah. Um, my head coach there, uh, Stan Sanchez, he knew some people, uh, in the Rockies system in their, their scouting system. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that those, those two things went hand in hand. Okay. And then you mentioned you, you love Pueblo. So this kind of answers that question. And then you also spent some time in Grand Junction. 
So in those years, did you really develop kind of this love and connection with Colorado? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, when I, just being in Pueblo, uh, I loved the people I was with, the, the teammates, the coaches, the program out there was the, the most ideal situation for me at that time. And then I went to Grand Junction, which was kind of funny actually, because that's where Colorado Mesa plays and Mesa and Pueblo are like the Red Sox and Yankees in the nineties. <laughs> like those, those two schools is that's such a fun rivalry. Um, so then I end up, you know, going from playing at playing at Pueblo to the next week I'm playing where Colorado Mesa is and playing for Grand Junction. Uh, it was funny that the first little bit there, I was getting haggled by some fans, you know, just saying like two, two weeks ago when you were playing for Pueblo, we hated you, but now you're here with us and, and we like you. So, um, so yeah, I definitely, uh, developed a, a little love for, for Colorado. Did any love get transferred to Australia? What was that like going down to Auckland and playing for the Tuataras? Like how? The Tuatara, uh, yeah. Uh, like, that was a sweet experience, first of all. I'll start out by saying that. Um, I had just finished up the year. Um, what year was that? The end of 18. Mm -hmm. And just finished up the season. And it's a long season. It's a grind. And uh, I'm excited to go home, you know, have some time off. And it was like the second or third to last day of the season. My dad calls me and he goes, hey, because uh, he at the time he was my acting agent. Right. And he calls me and goes, hey, uh, a team in New Zealand um, just got a hold of me and they want you to come play out there for winter ball. And I'm thinking, oh man, I just finished playing a season and now I'm going to go spend my, on, Dad. but then I'm like, I, I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? I definitely didn't get, uh, my season didn't go quite how I planned. I didn't get as many at bats as I had, as I had hoped. So I'm going to go play in Australia and New Zealand all winter. It's going to be hot. I'm not going to have to go into the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it ended up being awesome. It ended up being the sweetest experience because, it was so different than what professional baseball is over here in the sense of like there's on my team specifically, we had a handful of minor leaguers and then um, just a bunch of like older Australian and New Zealand guys that had been around the game forever. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was excited to go over there and kind of just like try to work on some things without the enormous stress of an organization you know, watching you every, I knew, I knew they were paying attention, but I wanted to go over there and like really try to figure some things out and ultimately just try to have a blast, which is exactly what we did over there. And, and it was, it was fantastic. Was there anything like culturally about the game that like when you got there and then when you came back that took this adjustment, like things that were, you're on the field or in the, the clubhouse and you're just like, that's different from what I know. Um, nothing crazy honestly that's that's the the sweet thing about baseball is it's a universal language right like it's mm -hmm. pretty much the same game wherever wherever you are in the world um the one thing that i did think was unique was you go from being over here in the minor leagues where everyone just throws gas you know like 
seven out of 10 guys on a team, you know, throw 97 to, you know, 95 to hundred or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing over here. It's Powerball. You know, they want the guys that throw as hard as they can. And then over there you had in Australia, you had a, a lot of like older, like mid to mid thirties players that had maybe had some minor league time or had just played in Australia their whole careers. And there are these older guys that were 88 to 91 and they just pitch. They throw four pitches for strikes whenever they want and they hit the corners and they do this. And, and so that was different. That was probably the the main thing that I was like, Oh, this is different than what I've been doing the last few years. Well, Hendricks like, some reason when I think of the Australian league, I think of like old man softball rules. Like as if there's a home run, they're like chugging beers or like when you get to first base, you got to do a quick shot or something. Aussie rules baseball. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, the fans definitely are doing that for sure. They're doing that for us. They're uh, still professional in between the lines. There we go. For sure. For sure. Um, that's awesome. All right, let's end it with this. I appreciate you spending your time here. So let's end with some softball questions here. You drive a Subaru. Are you familiar with the Subaru strike zone that is Colorado Rockies? And does your Subaru have a strike zone? <laughs> That's funny. How'd you find that? <laughs> I do. I, I drive I, I drive a, a, go ahead. a Subaru WRX and if you ask anybody that's close to me, that is my baby. I freaking <laughs> love that car, <laughs> but it does not have a strike zone. No strike zone. Are you familiar with a uh, Subaru strike zone? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you tune into the Rockies, you hear it like 50 times a night. <laughs> yeah, <Exhausting>. for sure. <laughs> um, so no strike zone, but you got your Subaru, you got your baby. Yeah. I, I, we do our research over here. We, Okay. We just looked at your Instagram and saw it. Um, <laughs> oh, I guess, I guess it's on there quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Touche. Yeah. You had an off day the other night. You looked like, again, Instagram research. Again, I don't stalk you. I was just doing research. <laughs> um, saw you at a Red Sox game. Is there anything you want to tell us? Uh, no, I just, I've always wanted to go to Fenway. I've always... Uh, my girlfriend was in town and she lo- wanted to go see Boston and I'm like, it's a win-win. Let's go to Fenway. Let's go watch a game. Yeah, that was sweet. I, I toured it probably three years ago, but it's still on my list to go watch a game. Is it, is it as historical, like watching a game? Like, is it everything you wanted it to Yeah. Be? Yeah. It's got a feel. It definitely has a feel. Um, and where we were sitting, are the original seats, you know, that Mm. have been there forever and they're definitely uncomfortable, but we don't (laughs) mind because you just think, man, this, this is all part of it. And it's, it's very sweet. Yeah. Well, and then one more quick baseball question, watching that stacked Red Sox lineup, like obviously everyone in that lineup kind of stands out, but is there one guy in that lineup you're really watching and trying to like learn something from? Um, I mean, obviously, JD, that guy is one of the best hitters in the game. Incredible. Definitely want to watch him a little closer. Uh, I pay attention to, to Dahlbeck a little bit just because I played against him um, in low A. Uh, so it's, it's always cool to see guys that you played against and 
you know, we're bumping shoulders with on the base pass and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, competing at the big league level. So I definitely watch him. Um, but other than that, Devers, I mean, I, that, I mean, we could, I could go to every single guy in that lineup and say <laughs> they're special to watch. Those guys are really good. Yeah, Devers just handles heat. Like that guy, I think I've seen he said a few homers off of 101, 102 mile an hour pitches. Like I don't I don't understand that, but yeah, he just <laughs> gets the barrel to it, man. It's crazy. Last question, speaking of barrels. Um, your home run, I think about a week ago, you kissed the bat in that at bat, which uh, like why? And then literally two pitches later, three pitches later, you went yard for the game winning home run. It ended up being what are you doing man why are you kissing the barrel <laughs> <laughs> uh well actually i so a lot of uh, baseball players will do this where if you foul a ball back you just miss it mm-hmm. and it clips the barrel it creates this awesome smell of like burning wood really and so you just like clip it and it just right on the spot that it clipped is like this sweet, sweet smell. And so I, when I, I always, I usually always, when I clip it like that, I always just like smell it and maybe give my bat a little kiss and just, you know, let's go, let's go to war right here. <laughs> That's awesome. I did not know anything about that smell piece and I don't think I'll ever, oh, it's, but that's cool. That's it's awesome. The, it's the best. It's like, if I could get like, candles made up of that smell i would just they'd be all over my house <laughs> we gotta get someone on that someone's gotta make that a product if they if they can create that smell that's gotta be done <laughs> hey yankee candle oh, they've gotta be able to right <laughs> yeah i mean they can make any grain we'll figure it out right <laughs> well i appreciate you taylor for being here talking with us getting to know more about you and your journey and we will be watching like this what you've been doing is exciting and i just i know it's going to continue and just keep doing yeah. things and uh we'll see you soon yeah thanks for your time taylor i really appreciate that boys thanks for having me on thank you for tuning in find more content at blakestreetbanter.com